the Board Game Binge. The place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content from across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, I'm going solo. Kicking off the new year, just me to you, discussing what I expect from 2023. So let's get into it. Welcome, everybody. Happy, happy new year. Uh, Man, am I ever excited to do this episode. Uh, This is the first time I think I've done this since episode one, where I'm just talking straight to Mike from my lips to your ears, uh, reaching out and just talking to you about what's going on. Uh, First and foremost, uh, I I couldn't be any more excited about 2023. Uh, I am looking forward to having many, many very special guests this upcoming year. We also have uh, Joe Slack, who's been our guest host for uh, several episodes now. He's going to continue on, and we're also on the hunt for more guest hosts. My goal here is to see how much variety we can bring into the show so that you know every week is a little bit different, and, and hopefully there's something there uh, for everyone. So what do I have going on for 2023? Well, for starters, for those of you who don't know... Uh, my company outside of Board Game Binge is Tin Robot Games. I'm a publisher, I'm a board game designer, developer. Uh, my business partner and co-designer, Adam, uh, is my brother. And uh, we put out games into the marketplace. And we're super excited about 2023. Uh, it really has been, I guess, about four and a half years now that we've been in the industry. And I've really treated this past four and a half years as a learning experience. So this podcast was actually started initially uh, just to learn as much as I could from other people in the industry that had way more experience than I did and were certainly a lot smarter than I was. And I felt that, uh, you know, this past 200 and some odd episodes, I feel like I have actually learned a lot. I still got a lot more to learn, but I find I'm at a point right now that when people reach out to me for advice, for instance, I actually can contribute back. I can give them advice and help them introduce them to different people that they're trying to get connected to or if they're just looking for the basics and certain things like manufacturing distribution um putting a game together uh that's something now i have experience in and i'm more than happy to share those experiences with others as part of this journey uh, my goal has always been to get to a game that is uh significant in size uh, i've published seven games now each of those seven games uh, hold a real special uh, place in my heart. They really do. Each and every one of them um, had a very specific uh, objective associated with them. The first one I did, Tanks But No Thanks, that was a game I created more than 25 years ago. That was my introduction to Kickstarter. That was how I first learned how to do Kickstarter. And I used that game uh, to, to get me into this industry. From there, Queen of Scots, this is a game that uh, we had created based on a game that my grandmother uh, used to, you know, play with me when I was a kid. And, you know, in the later years of her life, I played this with her every single day on the way to work. I'd stop in to see her and we'd play this game. And for her 102nd birthday, we reskinned that game. We had some artwork done by a, a Swedish artist and wrapped it all up in the story of uh, the two queens, Mary Queen of Scots and the first uh, Queen Elizabeth. From there, we uh, we went into Nutty Squirrels. That was the first game I had put together that was really kind of starting to use some modern-day mechanics. 
hamsters versus hippos. That was my first collaboration that we did. I really wanted to understand the whole licensing side of the business and working with other artists. If someday I got Tin Robot Games up to a size where um, I could become just a publisher, I wanted to dip my toe in the water there and made some really good friends. James Freeman, super great guy. And uh, I was glad to put that game out there with him. We also did some straight to uh, retail titles. I wanted to get that experience. What's it like just to create a game and just stick it in retail? And we did that with Rack Up, which is a, uh, a spin off of Queen of Scots. It's a reskin of, of, of a reskin. And we did that with Dirty Dragsters. And Dirty Dragsters was a game that um, Adam and I had uh, put together very quickly. Uh, my father had um, come down uh, during COVID with a pretty bad case of uh, delirium. And uh, in the hospital, he, he really couldn't, uh, couldn't function. You know, his brain was functioning, but he couldn't really talk. He couldn't really move well. And while we spent hours upon hours with him, we wanted to have a game that was simple to play that he could participate in without having to actually physically be part of the game. That game has now branched off and is a game that we use pretty much at any trade show I go to. It's a great uh, game to pull people into the booth because it's something you can literally turn in, you know, teach in 30 seconds and uh and you can play with anybody and it's great for families great for kids and it's it's a lot of fun uh that actually got turned into a drinking game and a betting game at a buck and dough uh, that we held from one of my other brother's uh, weddings this year as well which is kind of funny from there lastly we did uh planting evidence planting evidence was another game that adam and i had uh, worked on it is really kind of stemmed from an idea I had been sitting on for about three years of wouldn't it be cool to have some kind of a game where the objective is to incriminate someone else, you know, plant evidence on them. And the person uh, that uh, loses essentially is the person that um, is tagged for being the murderer. And we put that Kickstarter out this year and that was a lot of fun. Secondarily, the purpose of that game was to help try to rebuild some of our war chest going into uh, our next game. And that game was Cities of Venus. Now, Cities of Venus, this is a game I've been working on now for a few years. It's a game Adam and I designed. And it really is probably the heaviest game we've created so far. Uh, it's a medium weight Euro. It combines a lot of different mechanics. And I like to use the word ish, because there's like worker placement ish. There's engine building ish, tableau building ish. There's all these ishes in there. Um, but I think it's kind of cool because it doesn't really get hard and fast stuck in one category or another. It's kind of a smorgasbord of a lot of different things and it's wrapped in this really cool theme uh, that uh, that we have been working on for quite some time and that's what would happen if people tried to settle on Venus and uh, the scientists around the world today, the real science around this says you'd have to do that in floating cities. It's the only way you could do it but there's a lot of good things going on with that planet that make it very Earth-like, other than the fact you can never touch the surface. If you don't mind, I'm gonna play two things for you. I'm gonna, one is I'm gonna read this intro of this game, because again, it's something I've been working on for a while. This is gonna be the intro going into our Kickstarter video. After this, I'm gonna clip in a clip from the teaser we did almost six months ago now with my daughter narrating uh, from the perspective of somebody that's in these clouds. So let's start off. Okay, the year is 2222. And the people of Earth have established floating city-states in the clouds of Venus. To provide aid, Earth periodically sends immigrants and city upgrades in the form of cloud drops. However, a catastrophe occurred on Earth cutting off communication with Venus. No one knows when the last drop from Earth will come. As one of these cities' governors, you must compete against other players to establish dominance for your city's survival. Strategically grow and upgrade your city. 
deploy your scientists to the International Innovation Station, prepare for inevitable hazardous events, and mine the surface for priceless venite minerals. You must make the most of every cloud drop from Earth. The next one may be the last. I've always been fascinated by clouds. When I was a child, I'd stare at them for hours on end, amazed by their beauty and constantly trying to figure out what they were made of. Now that I'm older though, I know better than to try and understand them too much. The more you know about something, the more you realize how little you actually know. But even knowing that doesn't stop me from staring at them while we float above them in our mechanical city, looking down at what appears to be an endless expanse of nothingness. No land masses or roads or buildings, just a never-ending sea of pink below us. So that's our intro into the game. Uh, the way we describe this game is we say it's a medium-weight sci-fi Euro for two to four players. It combines worker placement, tableau building, and resource gathering mechanics. Each pledge comes with premium standard components, such as a quad-layer city board uh, with slots for upgrading cards, uh, resource trays, an inbox neoprene mat, and more than 420 game components. With a randomized game end trigger mechanic and starting deck, every game is different, maximizing replayability. And this is one thing that we really wanted to focus on was, I have a lot of games on my shelf, and I'm sure many of you do as well, where you play it maybe once or twice, and then you've kind of, you kind of got the hang of it, and it doesn't really have a lot of replayability. There's a lot of games out there that do have replayability, but there's a lot that don't. And that was something that we really wanted with this game, because it is a heavier game, it is going to be a heavier price tag, we want this to be something that could come out over and over and over again. And so replayability was a key aspect of that. So the way this thing is designed is every single time you play the game is different. Um, this, these cloud drop cards, we call them, is a deck of cards. It goes through three different phases. And you're using roughly two-thirds of the cards available each time you play. So, you know, the types of upgrades, the types of events that you're that are occurring... Um, that is randomized every game. And I've had games I've played where it's gone really, really smoothly. And people playing are like, wow, that wasn't, you know, I thought that was going to be, you know, a lot more punishing, but uh, that was, you know, that was fairly, that was fairly nice. I've had other games where people are like, oh my God, <laughs> that was just punishment from beginning to end. And that's what we wanted. We want every single uh, game to be completely different. There's upgrades in the game that randomize as well. So one game you're playing with one set of upgrades, another game you're playing with another set of upgrades. This keeps people from kind of setting one strategy that they always use and then kind of dominating based on that strategy. It really forces you to change up your game each and every time you play. The end game trigger I was just talking about earlier, that is a card that we have in the third phase. And when that card comes up, it's a it's a picture of Earth with a question mark. And it signifies that that's kind of the last drop that's come from Earth. That's That kind of signifies when you've cut off communication. And at that point, that's when everybody counts up their victory points. Their victory points are a combination of points that are on some of the upgrades that they purchased through the game. Um, there's minerals that you're constantly mining for. Uh, during the game, it's a combination of victory points for every so many mineral points you have. And then there's also bonus points for how populous your city is. And you're able to constantly be adding people to your city and you're trying to grow the city. And you must make a lot of decisions that, you know, do I want to put these people into innovation to try to get better upgrades, but that's going to impact my ability to grow my population. So maybe I don't want to do that. But if I don't do that, then later on, I'm not going to be able to protect myself against some of these hazards. So you constantly have this balance going back and forth that you're trying to figure out in order to get to the end of the game in somewhat of a 
uh, a livable state as a city, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, there's not really a lot of uh, player interaction in terms of you're not ta attacking anybody, so it is a pure Euro in that regards. Uh, everybody is uh, playing simultaneously at, on each turn, uh, so there's not a lot of downtime. It's not like you're sitting waiting for four people to go. Uh, you can be working on your board while someone else is working on their board. You go through each step at the same time, so there's six steps in, uh, in each drop, and uh, you go through each of those steps together, um, but you're doing it simultaneously so that you're not waiting. Only the very last step where you're actually going and choosing which uh, containers in that drop you want to grab and add to your city, that it goes through by uh, player turn order. And that's using resources that you've built up in your city to, in terms of buying uh, those upgrades. So we're super, super excited about this game. This game is coming out on Kickstarter. Uh, we originally were looking at March. Uh, I'm dealing with uh, Chinese New Year now. Uh, so I'm going to talk to you about that in a second because that is uh, another ball of wax. But that's pushed us out and we made the decision that uh, we're going to go in May. And I think that'll give us enough time to get the games to reviewers. We've had a lot of reviewers uh, say to us that they want to try this game out and, uh, and, and give it a shot. Um, so we need to get the games into those reviewers' hands. And uh, we have quite a number of samples we're getting created. I have 100 samples coming from China. And um, so I want to get those in those people's hands around the world, hopefully get a lot of great content. Um, but the cost of that is time. And we've run out of time uh, going into Chinese New Year. So it looks like these are only going to come out sometime in February. By the time I get that in reviewers' hands, probably end of March. That still only gives them about four weeks before we're live on Kickstarter. So... Uh, this is something that uh, we're trying to deal with. We are looking at doing some exclusives. Uh, we have uh, these minis that we're going to create for a, uh, a premium version of the game, which holds your uh, your die. So the, the the mining mechanic in the game uses a uses a single die, and uh, so we created this mini that actually hacks. Uh, it looks like a mine, like a like a mech, and it's the mining mech, and it holds your die. And you do that so that you don't forget to pay the resource. You take your little person, you put it into the mech, you take the dice out. And, and you roll it, and that's your uh, your mineral grab. So we're going to do a free first-player token for anybody that signs up for that campaign prior to the campaign launching. So it's not going to be mentioned on the page. It'll only be something that people know through exclusive sign-up. So at this point, I'm going to actually ask you as an audience member, if you are still listening, do me a favor, please. Go to citiesofvenus.com, citiesofvenus.com, on there, you can get a preview of what we're working on. At the very top right-hand corner, there's a button you can click on or on a mobile. I think it's pretty much the first button that shows up that uh, says follow our Kickstarter page. Do me a favor. Please join the mailing list. And then after you join the mailing list, more most importantly, go over and click that follow the campaign button. Um, that will help us with our algorithms as we're trying to build up our audience. But most importantly, that sign up will get your name on my list so I can make sure that you're one of the people that get that exclusive freebie. I want to thank you in advance for any and all support you provide to us on that. Uh, the next thing we're working on, and I teased this a little bit on our last podcast when I was talking with Connor McGoey, is we have this game called Catnip Auction House that we're working on. This is a game that Reed Muscola designed, uh, Reed Muscola from Paranoia Rising uh, Games, and um, met Reed on the podcast. I've seen him at some protospiels uh, that we've had in uh, the Toronto area, and this game I've seen for about two years now. Uh, it wasn't a cat game, it was a game about footprints at first, and 
uh, is something that uh, kind of caught my eye that I wanted to try. And I had the pleasure of being able to try this game uh, at this most recent protospiel we had. And after some sidebar conversations with Reed, I asked him, hey, is this something you'd be interested in uh, working with Tin Robot Games on? And uh, this is one of those things where uh, we've talked about this on the podcast in the past too, of, of really knowing your brand as a publisher. Reed's games or heavier games or social deduction games, that's his brand. So although he created this fun game that he was really passionate about, uh, it didn't really fit his portfolio. So he was looking for someone else to take this one on because it's more of a party game. It plays up to eight players, uh, plays quick, you know, 20, 30 minutes. You can get through a game. It's a lot of fun. Great icebreaker to the night. So we agreed that Tin Robot Games would publish this game. So we've been working really hard on this. We've reskinned the entire thing around cats. The whole concept is this is kind of like a 1920s art deco auction house. You have all these aristocats that are uh, bidding on these high-end auction items like gold, uh, food bowls, um, cardboard boxes, toilet paper, things that cats like to play with but look kind of premium in nature. And uh, it is a lot of fun. So we've been playtesting this thing like crazy. This is something that, much like some of the other tiles we did, is we're may not do this on Kickstarter. Usually when you're doing these small party games, it's tough to do them because they don't generate enough pledge value per pledge to pay for the advertising. Uh, you know, the advertising is very expensive. Uh, if you're doing Kickstarter, you're looking at around 15 to $17 per person per pledge in advertising costs to acquire someone. And, uh, when you have a game that you're selling for like 30 bucks, that math doesn't work very well. So what we're going to do on this is probably a small run, I'm hoping to launch this at Breakout Con Toronto. This is in uh, March 18th, I believe, that weekend uh, coming up. And um, I believe Reed will be there as well. We're going to talk to people about Catnip Auction House. We'll have some copies we can sell there. I'm going to send the rest down to the States. We'll do some uh, online sales, probably through Fun Again Distribution. Uh, our good friends there, Hit Point Sale, formerly Hit Point Sales. I guess it's now Fun Again Distribution with James Takanaka. And we'll do some sales there as well. And that's really to get some samples out and kind of get a pulse for what do people think of this game. From there, um, maybe we'll uh, do a Kickstarter on it. More likely, maybe we'll have it as an add-on to uh, a fall Kickstarter that we'll do. So my plan this coming year is to um, get myself up to potentially two and a half Kickstarters. I say two and a half Kickstarters because realistically... We're looking at May for uh, Cities of Venus. Likewise, the next game that we're going to launch uh, is, is probably going to be August, August, September. That game will be the second edition of Tanks, but no thanks. That was our first title we ever did. We've really, really pumped that game up and, and added a lot of really cool stuff to it. Um, one thing being an autonomous deck, which allows you to uh, do a defend the tower um, solo play in the game, which plays really awesome and uh, really pumped up the graphics and took a lot of the learnings we've had since we launched that game and, and really made it look awesome. I can't wait. And uh, so that's something we're going to launch likely on Kickstarter in August, September-ish. And then that kind of leaves us, do you want to do a campaign in December or November, December? Probably not. So we're probably into February. My hope is to get onto a schedule where we have a game every say four months so we have three kickstarter campaigns a year realistically we're probably looking at two kickstarter campaigns this year one straight to retail launch but uh we'll, we'll see how it goes i don't know it's uh it's something that's a lot of work as you guys know as a side hustle so not a day job yet as a side hustle 
uh, it's an insane amount of work. That's basically every week and every evening you have is going to this, um, to this passion project, you know, to this other thing that drives us all, that gets us excited. You know, the things that have us kind of perk up when we're sitting around the table and someone's setting up a game or you're reading a new rule book, uh, is that passion that drives us when you see, uh, someone at game night, when you look across the room and at a table, that's like, 20, 30 feet away from you. And you see somebody playing one of the games you created. I mean, that's happened to me recently. It was, it blew my mind. I, I had to sneak a little picture from afar uh, just to kind of capture that moment because it just hit me like a ton of bricks. It was crazy. And I know some of you out there that maybe are, are designers yourself or publishers, you you know that feeling. You totally get it. And uh, that's, that's the drug, right? That's the hook that keeps us uh, doing this and, and keeping it going. So... That's kind of the plan for games. In terms of events, um, as a publisher, um, you know, I got into this industry just before COVID, about a year and a half before COVID, and I was still kind of just getting my feet wet and didn't really understand the you know the conferences and really have a good grasp on you know this industry as a whole and this community as a whole. And when that finally started to click, it wasn't until we were just going into COVID. And uh, so I never had the the pleasure of going to any of these uh, conferences other than Breakout Toronto, which again is a fantastic one here in Canada, but we want to kind of spread our wings. So talk to Adam. Our hope is that this coming uh, summer that we'll hit Gen Con, would love to go there. Um, I'm trying to decide, I guess, between do we go and, and visit, so walk all the booths, selfishly from board game binge that would be a preference because then i can just meet as many people as possible obviously line up a lot of guests that we can bring on the show people i haven't yet met in this industry that uh, have interesting stories to tell on the flip side man it'd be great to showcase some of our games too so uh, that's where i'm kind of torn but one way or the other uh, the plan is to go to gen con this year and then secondly my hope is is for this uh, coming fall that we can make it to Essen in Germany. You know, it really hit me the other day. I was talking to uh, one of the backers of um, of my campaign. Well, they weren't really a backer. They were somebody who tried to back late through a sub-distributor in Europe. And they ended up reaching out to me direct because that that distributor said they were carrying the game. and then But their website just kept saying, you know, waiting for update from publisher. Well, that update's never coming because I, I didn't even know this distributor. So, you know, we got this person in their games, but this person is so kind. And, and they said, you know, for, you know, I'm located in Germany. And here's some of the things you should consider, you know, for some of these regional, these regional players. And it really got me thinking that, you know, we really don't have a huge presence as a publisher um, across the pond. Certainly the board game binge is worldwide. Uh, we are in, I believe it's actively listened to in 26 different countries. So for those of you listening around the world, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for being part of this journey with me on the publisher side. I need to start getting, uh, across the pond and, you know, our friends over at, uh, ShipQuest and, uh, with uh, Nigel Matthews and his crew, they've been just wonderful, wonderful partners in terms of helping us with our Kickstarter deployments, but I need to start building relationships with the distributors around the world. And that's my hope in this coming year to do that with Tin Robot Games and start building those relationships with those distributors. Even if they're not taking the games, just so we're in each other's Rolodex, I think is um, it is worth uh, more than the, uh, the the cost to the travel to Germany for, for Essen. So that is the plan for conferences this year, Breakout Con, Gen Con, Essen, three conferences. And then lastly, the big thing I've I've 
kind of got my eyes set on this year, as I said with Joe Slack. He has done a great job on this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the content that he's created. He is just one smart dude. He he knows so much about the industry. Obviously, he's an author, so he's a great resource to go to. A very, very deep well when you're going uh, to looking for knowledge. Uh, and just a really great guy. And uh, so I, I'm so happy that he's joined the team at Board Game Binge. I can't wait to hear some of the other podcast episodes that he does. I think they're going to be awesome. That being said, we all have finite amounts of time. And I know when I started this podcast, we were giving you guys two episodes a week. Just based on trying to get some of these titles out, we had to slow that down to one episode a week. I would love to get back to two episodes a week. My goal is long term is to have enough guest hosts that I'm doing one a week and we have a guest host doing one a week. So you guys have two episodes coming per week. I think we can do it. Uh, we just have to find the right people that A, are interested in podcasting, B, know enough people that they can bring a roster of guests in and kind of have their own angle, their own story to tell. Uh, you know, after 200 and I think this is 218 episodes, you're hearing the same guy over and over again each week, right? So it'd be cool to hear some fresh voices kind of getting in, interjected in here. So uh, that'll be part of our plans this year as well is we'll be on the lookout for more guest uh, podcast interviewers. And uh, if you know anybody or you want to recommend anybody, please shoot, shoot us a note either on our Facebook group page or you can even send us a direct email through our website. We respond to everybody that reaches out to us. So uh, don't ever be afraid to send us a note. We will get back to you and we get back to you fast. Other than that, I think uh, what gets me most excited this coming year is the continued pursuit of learning. And, you know, that sounds maybe a little corny or, or cheesy but it, it is the truth it is it is what drives me in this podcast specifically um, it is what drives me in each and every one of these kickstarter campaigns that i do uh, i really really love to learn new things and it's that thirst for learning new things that just keeps me going day after day and my goal each time i do something is to learn something new and, you know, we talked in the last, last podcast with uh, Connor McGowie. Uh, we got into uh, an AI discussion. If you heard that one, it's, it's worth a good listen. I know some people uh, have different uh, perspectives on, on AI and, and whatever side of the fence uh, you, you fit on that, that. That's totally cool. Everybody is, um, is entitled to, to have their feelings on things that are new. This is something that's really new, AI. And as kind of the industry tries to figure it out, I think it's important to be respectful of others' opinions, right? And, uh, and respectful of other people's work as well. I think that's important too. Um, for me, what I, I find interesting about it is just learning about it and, and learning what are all the different things to do, whether it be AI art through uh, Midjourney, for example, uh, or is it using ChatGPT? Everybody's talking about ChatGPT. I'm sure you've heard it on TikToks and on, now you got Joe Rogan talking about it. It is revolutionary. I've experimented it with uh, myself. It is super cool. And what I'm constantly looking at doing is trying to find ways that it can be incorporated into the day-to-day uh, in ways that can help us do what we do better and faster. Quite frankly, in the pursuit of getting content out, getting game design out, getting game ideas out faster. And uh, so that's something I'm going to investigate more this year. I definitely want to understand the licensing side much better this, this coming year. Definitely want to understand 
uh, a little bit more of the nuance around manufacturing, although I do have a, <laughs> a really good handle on manufacturing now after doing uh, seven games. Um, people have heard me talk about this on the podcast in the past. I, I don't go through brokers, so I deal directly with China. That was something that on my very first game was one of the learnings that I had set out for myself. Learn how to, to source directly from China. And uh, so I've done that. Um, I still got to get better at navigating the holidays because, as I said uh, earlier on, we got caught a little bit on, uh, on, on Chinese New Year. But it's something that I think there's still a lot more learning to, to have there. Um, other than that, uh, guys, 2023, I am, again, crazy excited and very thankful. I want to thank each and every one of you once again. Thank you, thank you, thank you for just listening and cheering me on and reaching out when you guys reach out or even commenting on our, on our, our videos or when you, when you, you, you send us well wishes by email or on our Facebook group. These all make our day. Every single time I get a message, just make it, it, it lights my day up. If you ever have a thought that you want to send our way, don't hesitate. Please send it to us. If you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, please join it. So if you go on Facebook, there is a uh, Board Game Binge Facebook page, which we don't really use that often. It's more just to kind of sync up with our Instagram channel. But if you join our group, and there'll be some questions I'll ask you, your favorite board game, things like that. That's just to, to kind of scrub out the bots. Don't worry about that. Put in whatever you want. It'll accept you after like a two-minute kind of um, holding. But then we've got this huge community, 1,800 members and growing. Um there people are able to share ideas you can see uh episodes that have recently passed the video version of these episodes uh that we have uh as well as if you have questions maybe with some of the people we interview uh each and every one of them that comes on the podcast also will join that group so that they can interact with people if there's any questions about their time on the podcast they can answer any questions you have um it's just a great community and we would love to have you be part of that we really would so that's what's coming up for 2023 uh, on behalf of the Board Game Binge team, on behalf of Tin Robot Games, I want to wish each and every one of you a very happy new year, all the best of health and happiness to each and every one of you and your families. Keep gaming. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge Podcast. Hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you'd like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.